Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson. And as always, I'm very glad that you've decided to spend your 10 o'clock hour on this beautiful Saturday morning with us at New Southern Garden here, 93.9 FM. That's WRWH. And today, I think, is an exciting program. Of course, I think every week is an exciting week in the New Southern Garden, but maybe I'm biased. Because we're continuing our discussion on vegetables. Now, a couple of weeks ago, of course, I gave you tips from my grandfather uh, for growing vegetables. And uh, he was an instrumental part of my journey into horticulture, learning how to grow things, keeping gardens. And last week we talked about carrots. Because that's something that you could grow now, you could plant now. And today's crop is something that you could probably go ahead and get a jump on. It's not been crazy. We've had some crazy weather down here in the southeast, of course, particularly here in the North Georgia mountains. But weather is looking okay. Weather is looking okay. And one of those early crops that you can get started when I grew very early in my first garden with my grandfather was potatoes. That's potatoes, not tomatoes. So this week we're talking about potatoes which of course is that beautiful uh, underground tuberous root-like structure that makes some great mashed and creamed potatoes, chips, all those great things we love to eat, (laughs) some of the junk foods. But still, but still, potatoes may be something that you haven't grown much of. I don't know. If you haven't, I would encourage you to grow potatoes this, this year, particularly because it's one of those crops that even though you can't see what's going on underground the foliage is beautiful then later they start blooming and and usually that's when you harvest them or sometime shortly after but when you harvest them you turn the soil over and there is your bounty waiting to be plucked from the earth washed and put on your plate So, of course, this morning, potatoes is the topic. But if you've missed any of our discussion on growing vegetables, don't cry because we've banked away all of those episodes and actually every episode of the program ever online at NewSouthernGarden.com. We're also available on the uh, podcasting apps. Of course, those are on your smart devices and cell phones and whatnot. And then we are on Facebook and Instagram. So be sure to check out the old episodes at NewSouthernGarden.com. And if you have Facebook or Instagram, be sure to like us, follow us, and share with us. Send us your photographs. Send us your videos of your gardens. Of course, this is the time of year when things are starting to leaf out. As a matter of fact, unfortunately, uh, at our new place, we have very old and mature uh, Bradford pears. And I say unfortunately because, of course, on this program, we've talked a lot about how not so good of a tree choice that is that's a Bradford pear but they are here and we'll probably have to make a decision about uh, 
chopping down the pear trees in the next few years, but they're putting out their foliage, their blossoms. They don't smell all that great in my opinion, but still they are nice to look at. So this is that time of year where we're getting excited. We're getting that disease, you know, that terrible disease is called spring fever. Maybe spring fever is encouraging you to get into the landscape early and and wanting to plant petunias and begonias and all those great uh, summer flowering annuals, but don't jump the gun just yet. And that's why potatoes, we're kind of at a good point in the game where we can get a start on those if you want to. Um, Of course, potatoes is something I I talked about on the episode about uh, notes, uh, tips, notes, notes from my grandfather uh, as far as vegetable gardens go. And, you know, he taught me how to do some things based on what he knew and what worked and what probably his ancestors taught him to do. Now, were they always the best uh, procedures or methods? I don't know. They did work. But today we're going to delve in and jump into potatoes and we're going to uh, look at some tried and true information from researched uh, universities and things like that. We're going to talk about the history of the potato, how it falls into uh, production around the world, just so we learn everything we possibly can about this very unique crop. And like I said, whenever you harvest potatoes, it's probably one of the most exciting things to do. Uh, as far as the most exciting uh, uh, vegetable to harvest because tomatoes or squash or cucumbers, you know, that's a product of the fruit or that is a fruit, I should say, a product from the ovary that's inside the flower. Now, that's all fun to watch. You know, you can watch that ovary swell and get larger and ripen and then pluck it. But since potatoes, of course, grow underground and they're part of a tuberous, uh, tuberous uh, stem, those are a surprise. You lift the soil and boom, there they are. So I think if you've never grown potatoes, it's a great opportunity to do so. Now, before we talk about potatoes, I do want you, my new Southern Garden friends, to be the first to be invited to Lanier Nursery and Gardens. Really, it's the fourth annual anniversary. We call it Garden Party. So Garden Party will be on the 17th of April. Now, that's a Saturday next month, uh, just about a month away course the 17th of April is that weekend of the 15th of April and the 15th of April is very important because that is our average last frost date so waiting to plant a lot of tender things like I mentioned earlier petunias begonias even tomatoes as we talk about vegetables this week waiting until April 15th is is a good idea generally just because we don't want to have a cold snap or freeze heaven forbid maybe even around Uh, Easter, and then your good hard efforts, they go to waste. So you are invited to Lanier Nursery and Gardens uh, Garden Party. That is April 17th. We're going to have some Q&A with me. So bring your questions uh, in person live there. And then we'll also have a a cookout and, and some other activities to encourage people to grow better, grow bigger, grow stronger, just so we can have better landscapes, better gardens and uh, get things growing and growing well. So be sure to check out all the information that comes along with the uh, garden party at LanierNurseryGardens.com. So potatoes, we got to get into the discussion um, to talk about everything we need to. Potatoes, they are a very, you know, potatoes have become, and really now some may say that potatoes are the most important and definitely probably the most widespread vegetable uh, crop in the world. They have been and are being grown in more than 130 countries 
Of course, these countries vary in their climate and their weather patterns, topography, and things like that, meaning that the, the potato plant itself is extremely adaptable. As a matter of fact, it grows from below sea level in the Netherlands to almost 14,000 feet in the air in the Andes Mountains. And it can also grow as far north in the Arctic Circle down as far south into Tierra del Fuego. And also, it doesn't mind a little bit of arid climates like Australia and Africa. The only place in the world that really potatoes don't grow well is in tropical jungles. Because in tropical jungles, they are just depressed, seriously, by high temperatures and disease issues. Remember, in tropical places, we have a lot of humidity, a lot of heat, and potatoes do not thrive in that situation. So that's about the only place you can't grow them. And think about our temperate climate here in the southeast. We do have humidity. We do have heat, which is why we can grow them. But growing them earlier in the year, rather than trying to grow them through summer, we tend to have disease issues there. But, you know, potatoes have been used in all kinds of fresh markets all the way into processing. For instance, you know, your favorite bag of potato chips, maybe dehydrated potatoes, instant mashed potatoes, right? They can them, they freeze them, and they're even used as starch and flour. So a very diverse plant that produce a very important plant that has many diverse uses. Also think about it. Um, in addition to being a food crop, potatoes are used around the world to feed livestock. They're used to produce things like uh, vodka and uh, potato paste and dyes, things like that. But then lastly, potatoes don't just aren't just used as a source of food or nutrition. They're also used, especially the ones that maybe, uh, aren't sellable or usable, the cold potatoes or extra potatoes, surplus potatoes, they're sometimes turned into ethanol and they can be used to mix gasoline as a fuel source. So potatoes are extremely important around the world, folks. But in my opinion, they're even more important in your landscape because yes, you can go and buy a bag of five, 10 pound potatoes, maybe a whole box of 40 pounds or 50 pounds, I think it is. But you can also grow them and have them fresh. And one of the great things about uh, growing your own potatoes in the ground is you can have access to more types and varieties. We're all used to the white potatoes and the Yukon Golds and the red skin potatoes. We've got all those beautiful potatoes, but there are some potatoes that are purple and orange and uh, all different shades. So some are fingerlings, some are uh, big tuberous things that you can bake a potato and have it as a great side dish with your steak. But regardless of what kind you grow, remember, you grew it yourself, and it has, uh, I think, a bit more importance in that respect than just going and buying a bag off the shelf. Now, let's talk about the tomato plant itself as far as where did it come from, uh, what kind of plant is it, and a little bit of history about it. Now, the potato's botanical name is Solanum tuberosum. Now, Solanum is the genus, right? The first name. The second name is Tuberosum. Of course, that word Tuberosum comes from the fact that it produces underground tubers. Now, it is a herbaceous plant, meaning it doesn't grow woody stems. It's very fleshy, just like tomatoes, just like peppers. It doesn't have much wood to it at all. It's all just herbaceous material. But it's in a family called the Nightshade family. Now, of course, we mentioned this before, but... Um, the nightshade family also includes tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, tobacco, petunias, 
Yes, right. Those plants you grow out in your flower boxes. And also wild nightshade, which is more of a weed. Uh, but they're all in the same family. Now, we call it potato. But it is not related to the sweet potato. As a matter of fact, sweet potato is related to morning glory. That beautiful vine that can become a problem if you let it get out of control. Uh, but regardless, don't confuse sweet potatoes and potatoes. They have the same common name, if you will but they do not belong even in the same group of plants. Most of the potatoes that are grown as far as important food crops around the world do fall into that single group of plants called Solanum tuberosum. However, that group Solanum does contain about 2,000 different types or species. About 160 of those produce some kind of tuber. And lastly, only 20 of those are actually cultivated. But again, this one crop is basically the same plant genetically. Now, of course, we are growing this plant for its underground tubers. They do have, those tubers have very high amounts of carbohydrates or starches, which is the reason why they're such a tasty but also nutritious source of food. Where it grows natively is, um, it actually grows as a perennial which means it comes back year after year. However, in our temperate regions, we generally are only growing it as an annual, replanting every single season uh, throughout the spring. Now, if you let those tubers overwinter underground, you may find that volunteer plants come back up from them the next year. Some of them may get frozen, but some of the deep ones that are protected during a mild winter, if any tuber or potato is left behind, you may find that it grows from the ground the following year. So you may have some volunteer potatoes uh, year after year. Now, the, the potato does come from South America, particularly, like we mentioned earlier, in the Andean region of Peru and Bolivia. Now, that crop was cultivated in South America much longer before the arrival of the Spaniards in the New World, which of course was around the 16th century. Then it was introduced to Europe by the returning Spanish explorers and quickly just spread around the European continent. But at first people said, ah, we're not growing this as a food, we're just curious about it. They did not necessarily cultivate it as a crop uh, for consumption. They did cultivate it, though, uh, just for curiosity. So it was sort of like an ornamental thing, in a way, something new and different. But then, of course, um, something happens. Something happens in the history of the potato, particularly in Ireland, that just was a devastating situation. And when we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk about a period of time when the potato almost went away completely. So hang on tight. We'll be right back with more on the potato and those delicious products of the earth that give us potato chips. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who 
are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. All right, gang. Well, you take a potato out of the ground, you slice it up, stick those slices into the oven, bake on high for I don't know how long, and you get potato chips. That's right, gang. Today on New Southern Garden, we are continuing our discussion on growing vegetables and growing them well, and we're talking about potatoes. Now, I have, as I've already mentioned, love to grow potatoes. It's sort of a surprise under the earth. You don't get to see them grow and develop, but as soon as you turn that spade or fork, flip those potatoes over, boom, you've got something new and something different that you didn't even know was happening, was growing. And of course, we were talking about the history of the potato before we get into uh, talking about uh, some tips on growing them. We were talking about how the potato came from South America. It was then transported by the Spaniards into the uh, continent of Europe. And the Europeans were like, well, this is kind of a curious plant. We'll grow it. But they weren't really consuming it as a cultivated crop until much later. But by the end of the 17th century, the potato had become a very important food crop throughout Europe, particularly, particularly in a country like or in, in the country of Ireland. It became a staple of the Irish diet, and also it became a very significant part of the Irish culture. And even today, think about it, you know, um, the potato is sometimes called Irish potato, rather than the South American potato, which is where it actually came from. It didn't originate in Ireland, but it became synonymous with, a, uh, with the uh, people of Ireland because it was so important to them as a food source and their culture. Now, we're not exactly sure. We're not exactly sure how uh, the potato or when the potato came to the United States, but we do know that it was not very significant until the arrival of the Presbyterian immigrants from Ireland in 1718. So as soon as the Irish immigrants came over, 1718, um, it became more popularly grown as a food source. We do know, however that in this country, in the United States, that the potato crop became most important after uh, 1846, which is the year that late blight disease destroyed the potato crop in Ireland and, of course, call, uh, caused that great potato famine. Yes, folks, a tiny little disease swept through the entire country, killing their most important food source, and of course, what happened then is there was a mass immigration of Irish people uh, to the United States, and along with them came widespread cultivation of the potato. They were using that potato that they had been so used to eating and growing, brought it with them in this new country, in this new land, and we see that the potato probably uh, achieved its most importance after that year, 1846. So there, that's, that's the sad part about potato. There was a time period where it was almost lost, almost gone, particularly in Ireland or specifically in Ireland. And we still struggle with early blights and late blights. And we'll talk about some of those diseases as we get into more details on how to grow potatoes. Now, in the U.S., uh, the the most harvested amount of potatoes usually happens in the fall, as a matter of fact, by substantial numbers. And, of course, the number one producer of potatoes, uh, as far as states go, 
is Idaho, which of course Idaho is very East is the potato state. We know that Idaho potatoes, and so the South. If, if the South doesn't produce many potatoes, uh, but of course our potatoes have to be. Uh, uh, grown and produced during the cooler season so normally you'd have a spring or kind of early summer harvest but getting into how the potato plant grows itself there are particularly uh, three distinctive phases of development you know from planting all the way through to harvest the first phase is the emergence and the early development which is mainly the leaves and the stems are growing then the second phase of a, a life cycle of the potato would be the tuber initiation which is where the tuber begins to swell begins to grow and then lastly there's going to be the period of tuber enlargement and maturation which of course is going to be the the tubers getting ready to be picked and harvested. Now that first stage of emergence and early development, what we see is that the uh, uh, the seed potato that is buried underground or seed pieces uh, that are buried underground, they do have little tiny eyes on them, or they should, and these little tiny eyes are going to produce vertical stems. Now as the stems grow, more and more will start growing and spreading, and the plant itself may become up to three and a half feet tall by the end of its life cycle, nice and shrubby. But it is important that that early stage that we allow as many stems to produce as possible because the more stems or stolons, which stolons, of course, uh, are stems that run uh, run across the top of the ground, the more we have of those, the more potential potatoes we can harvest. And then, of course, as the tuber gets largened up, tubers are a unique uh, uh, organ in a plant. So tubers are actually stems. Those potatoes you eat are not roots by any means. They're stems. They have every aspect of a stem. Uh, They have a center pith. They have an outer uh, epidermis. And then all along the potato stem, that tuber, uh, has little eyes, which would be nodes and internodes in between those. So they're actually very much like a stem on the plant uh, rather than a root down below. So that tuber is going to start to grow, start to get fatter, and start to uh, uh, produce things. Now, at that period in time, this is kind of important, at that period in time, there's something called, it's a botanical term, called apical dominance. Now, I know that sounds intimidating, but apical dominance means that that first uh, tuber or eye from the tuber that pushes through the uh, soil is in control of the rest of the plant. And that that one first eye will inhibit any other eyes from sprouting. So it's ideal that you um, take your your potatoes and cut them into seed pieces because once you do that, then you're going to generate more than one stalk, more than one stem. You will continue to grow maybe three and four depending on how many eyes were on that seed piece. So instead of planting the entire potato, because if you plant the entire potato, that one main stem will or one eye will shoot up and be the only thing you have. But if you divide that stem, divide that tuber rather, into several pieces, then you're breaking that apical dominance where that first sprout is control of is in control of all the plant. You're getting a good uh, three, maybe four shoots coming up because remember the goal here, producing potatoes, is to produce as many stems as possible so then those stems will generate tubers uh, away from uh, those stems. Now you can also even 
If you notice that just a single eye is starting to sprout, maybe let it get up a few inches tall and then clip the tip. Clip the tip out of that one stem and side shoots, side branches will then generate and that will help you uh, to increase the number of stems and consequently increase the number of potatoes you have. Now, the potato is a cool season crop. It's quite sensitive to high temperatures, uh, especially during that phase when the tuber is is growing and developing. Uh, But it is only moderately tolerant of frost and does require frost-free season of about 100 days to mature. There there are two different important factors when climatic factors that we can't really control, and that is temperature and day length. Those are the two most uncontrollable factors in growing potatoes and trying to get a good yield. As a general rule, the ideal tuber production uh, temperature is going to be in the range of 60 to 65 with a maximum of about 75 degrees and a minimum of 45, which is why we can start to grow them as our uh, nighttime temperatures are in the 40s, because that would be the lowest you'd want to plant them and try to get them growing. And then, of course, we can't grow them well into the summer. Why? Because 75 is kind of the maximum that you want to, 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 uh, to put these plants under. And so it strictly is, for us, kind of a cooler season crop, but not a cold season. Okay, we're not growing them over winter by any means, but we are trying to grow them most likely in this early part of spring, which is not quite spring, but this early part of spring, late part of winter, when we're fairly frost free, not getting into the uh, 45s and belows if possible. But once we get into summer, folks, it's going to be 80 quickly. It's going to be 90s quickly. And that means late crops of potatoes in the south generally aren't doable because trying to start the potato off in 80 and 90 degree weather, you just can't do it. Well, gang, we've got a lot more to talk about on today's episode of Growing Vegetables. Of course, we're talking about potatoes. So hang on tight through this quick break. We'll be right back. Greenness unfolded for the world. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Now, remember, gang, when we're talking about growing vegetables, harvesting vegetables, we're talking about bringing in, harvesting either the plant's roots, the plant's shoots, or the plant's fruits. So when you think about vegetable gardening, remember, roots, shoots, and fruits. Now, last week, we talked about a plant root, carrot. We actually harvest the root of the carrot to consume. But when we talk about potatoes, technically, even though it's growing underground, we're talking about harvesting the stem, a tuberous stem of the plant. So we're sort of eating the shoot in a way. Yes, you could say we're harvesting the roots just to be fun, but technically with potatoes, it's the tuberous stem. Now, before we went to the break, we were talking about growing potatoes, talking about the uh, facts that... uh, they're a cool season crop. They don't like a lot of heat. 
They can handle just a smidge of cold weather, as low as 45, give or take. But depending on the temperatures, that can affect the crop and the yield big time. Another factor that can affect the, the quality, that can affect the yield, is going to be soils. What kind of soils do we need in order to grow the best potatoes ever? Well, first of all, the best kind of soil to grow a potato in would be like a silty loam, a sandy loam, maybe even peat, or just very mucky organic soils. Now, of course, in Idaho and that part of the part of the U.S. where the soils are so rich and black and deep, that would be ideal. Which is particularly why they've got a great climate for potatoes. It's, it's why Idaho is growing so many potatoes. But we do want to make sure that our soil is well drained and quite friable. Good aeration is very important for potato production. Because see, if your soils stay wet, if they're waterlogged, you're going to have lower yields and the quality is just not going to be there. Now, what about compacted soils? Of course, compacted soils tend to produce misshapen and kind of knobbly knobby tubers so not very pretty and so we would say that uh, having a very loose well drained aerated soil is ideal now if you have good drainage on clay soils because remember folks here in the piedmont we do have clay based soils now you've heard me talk time and time again that clay is not necessarily a problem unless it is waterlogged or very dry but if you have decent moisture but definitely good drainage you can um, use your clay soil to grow potatoes in. Definitely add high amounts of organic matter. Of course, that's compost, cow manure, things like that. So I would recommend if you're going to start a potato patch, then go ahead and turn over the soil and incorporate as much compost as you can possibly afford or make yourself. And also some soil conditioners, some soil conditioners, some uh, manures even, whatever you have access to. Now, another component of soil is pH. Now, remember, pH is the measure of acidity or sweetness in the soil. So acidic soils versus sweet soils. Now, in, in the south, in our clay soils, we tend to be a little um, acidic. But the ideal range, the ideal range for um, your potato crop would be 5.5 on the pH scale, that's quite acidic, all the way to 7, which is neutral. So our pH generally is going to be just right. And actually, if our pH is around 5 or so, kind of low, that would help to uh, reduce a problem called scab, which is a, an issue that potatoes can have. So you may even have to drop your pH a bit by adding some kind of sulfate, uh, aluminum sulfate, or some kind of soil acidifier. So be sure before you start growing potatoes that your pH is right. Go have your soil tested by the uh, University of Georgia. Of course, that's your county extension office. You'll take your soil there and you will be able to uh, uh, be able to find out a lot of cool things about the soil you never knew before. So once you've decided uh, that your soil is just right for proper planting of uh, potatoes, then we sort of have a pre-planting procedure for our little potatoes. Now, we're going to call the uh, thing we plant underground a seed potato, even though it has nothing to do with the seed. We never really use the seed that the flowers produce uh, from the plant because those seeds are very genetically diverse and uh, may take a long time to 
to, to germinate and get those tubers really growing. So we use asexual propagation, which of course is using older potatoes or sometimes called seed potatoes that are ready to grow. They've got big, eye, big eyes on them and they're going to produce stems very quickly. Now, what we want to do with those seed potatoes is to cut them into several pieces uh, each piece could weigh about a couple of ounces, but you want to make sure they have at least one to several buds or eyes on them. Now, I talked about this uh, when I talked about tips, growing tips for my grandfather. We did this procedure. We actually started to cut and um, uh, get those uh, seed potatoes into smaller pieces so we could plant them. Now, I did mention that he told me to let them rest for a few days and shake them, mix them in with some elemental sulfur so those fresh cuts do not become infected. But ideally, as soon as you cut, what the research shows is as soon as you cut those potatoes, you would want to get them underground. But if you can't put them underground directly, you can do what my grandfather was encouraging, which is called suburize. Suburize, and that's basically where those fresh cuts of those potato tubers uh, get sort of a corky protective layer and heal. And the added benefit of using something like powdered uh, elemental sulfur is that that sulfur can help to slow down and prevent disease over the next few days. Now, once these the suburization process is going on, you want to make sure that they are um, in a relative humidity, about 85% or so, good ventilation. These, those cut pieces need to be probably in a garage or crawl space, about 55 to 65 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, we did all this with my grandfather but we didn't know why. We didn't know what suburization was, but now we know that it was something that is done pretty commonly, and we did it the right way. So being sure that you keep any cuts you make, if you're not planting directly into the ground, any cuts you make on those tubers, dip them in some elemental sulfur that will help to slow down potential disease problems, which of course, you don't want your fresh little seed potatoes going to waste. You want them to be strong and healthy. And then, of course, push on throughout the early part of spring so you'll have a great crop. Now, once you've got your seed pieces and they've been nice and suburized, now it's time to plant. And planting, of course, we want to think about how deep do we plant and how far apart do we plant. But really, what time? When do we plant? So we've already said that now is generally a good idea. You can plant uh, early potatoes as soon about six weeks before the last spring frost is expected. And remember, our expected average last frost is going to be about April 15th. So that would say the beginning of, beginning of March all the way through uh, these next few weeks or so. But you do want to make sure that the soil temperature reaches 45 degrees. So go to the UGA weather uh, portal. That's an online website. Just type in UGA weather. It has a drop-down menu for the closest city near you. You select that, and then you can check the average soil temperature in your area. But 45 degrees is the ideal time. Uh, any, anything below that, if, if they're below 40, especially uh, below 40 at planting time, you may see a delayed emergence from the earth, but also a, the decay of that beautiful uh, helpful uh, seed piece. So with that in mind, how far apart do you plant? Making sure that your temperature is just right, about 45 degrees, you can space um, plants six inches to 16 inches apart. However, the distance at which you choose to space your potato seeds or seed potatoes 
is going to can dramatically affect the size of the potato. Generally speaking, and depending upon the type of potato you're growing, whether it's naturally a larger potato or naturally a smaller potato, particularly if you have a smaller potato variety, you want to space them further apart because that will increase the size of the potato and that tuber maturation we're talking about, the tuber enlargement. So generally speaking, the closer your potatoes are, the smaller the potato will be. But the further apart you plant your potato, the larger they'll be. Of course, there's genetics at play, meaning that certain cultivars may just be larger than others, and certain may produce uh, certain certain types may produce smaller potatoes than others. So keep that in mind. If you're trying to get a larger potato, you may separate them further on that 16-inch uh, di- uh, width. Or if you want smaller potatoes for you know uh, boiling or soups or whatnot, you can space your plants closer together, maybe in that six inch spacing or so. Now, the depth at which we plant potatoes can vary. Sometimes they can be planted as shallowly as two inches, all the way up to six inches. The best depth is going to vary with soil moisture and soil temperature. And so you really want to make sure that depending on what kind of soil you have, uh, that you're planting them at the right depth. Here's uh, some tips for that. Of course, most of our soils, let's talk about the heavy clay soils. Most of the heavy clay soils, we would want to plant them on the shallow side so that we have better drainage. But now if you have increased the amount of uh, organic matter and and you've added uh, compost, cow manure, the things we've talked about before, if you've added all that great organic matter and soil amendment, then you might go a little deeper. If you do happen to have soils that are kind of mucky, mainly organic matter, high amounts of organic matter, then six inches uh, deep is generally fine. So in the South, I would say let's not go too deep, especially if you have clay soil, Uh, but let's go at least three inches, maybe two. But remember, planting potatoes kind of shallowly can leave some exposed to the top of the earth as they mature and the tubers grow, and those exposed tubers uh, will start to turn green. Now, that greening, of course, they do say uh, generally is some kind of poison. You're not supposed to eat it. It's not really true. It just makes an unmarketable potato, but you will be growing them in your home garden and uh, you may or may not want to eat the green ones but regardless we do want to continue to add some compost and uh, mulches on top of these as they grow to make sure we don't get that greening but again if you have a very heavy clay soil which a lot of us do then you do want to plant on the shallow side of six inches rather than that full six inches deep. Now, once your potatoes are planted, they're going to start to emerge like we talked about. They're going to start to initiate growth and be looking nice and green and cute little button-like plants, but they're going to get longer. They're going to get taller. And there is one aspect of growing potatoes that is important as they begin to mature, and that's called hilling. H-I-L-L-I-N-G, hilling. Now, I remember my grandfather told me that as the plants to as the plants were growing, uh, just mound up soil around the base of the stem. 
Uh, he didn't necessarily, he did say heal up. We're going to heal these up, but I didn't really know what that meant at the time. But we do know that healing is going to help to prevent that sun greening, the greening of the potatoes due to sun. And it's also going to help uh, the tuber development. And as we go through harvest, it'll make them easier to harvest. It is particularly important on clay soils because usually those uh, clay soil grown potatoes are just in the top few inches. And so healing over will help to prevent the greening and help to encourage even more tuber development and tuber growth. So as your plants are growing, cover some of those lower stems, bring soil up around the base of the plant, make a nice hill so that those potatoes are you know, well protected from the sun and also supported and maybe getting a few more potatoes in uh, at, at the same rate. Of course, one of the biggest concern with vegetable gardens and ornamental gardens uh, alike is going to be how much do I water? And the same with the potato. How much do we water? Do we need to add extra water and increase irrigation well remember this the potato plant itself is very shallowly rooted which of course means the roots don't go very deep into the soil so keep an eye out for your potatoes you may have to supplement water if spring does not provide enough moisture but you know since we're planting late winter and into spring generally our soils are moist but if we go through an early drought dry spell you may want to irrigate some but we don't want to keep the soil wet so they'll rot we want to keep it moist if anything hang on tight gang we'll be right back with some problems you may have while growing potatoes for the world to behold Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. You know, gang, you know, gang, I think that uh, growing potatoes is fun, it's enjoyable, but just like with any other living organism or any other plant we grow, it doesn't come with some difficulty. And in this last segment today, we are going to be talking about insects that can be a problem for potatoes, and we're going to talk about a few diseases because there are some very historic problems like we talked about with the uh, late blight that we need to address and then there may be some little known facts about uh, pests that cause issues with potatoes so to begin one of the most destructive and widespread insects of potatoes is called the colorado potato beetle now, it's quite distinctive in its characteristics. You will be able to spot it with the naked eye because the Colorado potato beetle, the adults themselves, they have very thick bodies. They are sort of dark yellow to almost brown in color with black stripes across their back. It's very distinctive. And even the larvae, which of course larvae are 
immature, immature beetles. They are reddish and orange in color, but they have two distinctive rows of black spots along their sides. So you'll be able to identify if you happen to come across any Colorado potato beetle. But here's the trouble with them. They may look cute and cuddly on the outside, but their intention in life is to feed on the foliage. Both the adults and the larvae consume the foliage of your potatoes and be leaving behind... <laughs> Uh, these irregular holes. So they're not perfect circles, sort of irregular in shape. They leave these holes in the leaves. And let me tell you, if you do not control Colorado potato beetle, then you can be completely left with defoliated plants. It's not a good thing. And the other trouble, the other trouble with Colorado potato beetle is that the adults can overwinter in the field. So they're hanging out in your garden just waiting for you to plant more potatoes the next year. Now, of course, we would say the best control is going to be insecticides. Now, there are both chemical and organic controls that you can use. And if you need some ideas or tips about using insecticides, whether you want to use organic sprays that come from the earth or from plants themselves, or whether you want to use chemistry, be sure to uh, come and see us at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. Of course, that's where I am throughout the week. And we have a great selection of Bonide products. Bonide is a, a company that produces uh, uh, products like insecticides, herbicides, uh, disease control, things like that, just for horticulture and gardeners alike. Now, another issue that you may come across with, especially in the, uh, the insect world with your potatoes, is the flea beetle. Now, the tuber flea beetle and, of course, the potato flea beetle are both serious pests to potatoes, particularly early in the spring. And, of course, that's when we will be growing our potatoes. So be on the lookout for the adult beetles, the flea beetles. They're very small, very tiny. They're also shiny. So look for a coating on the outside of these uh, bugs. It's shiny. They're black, almost just sooty black. And they also overwinter in the soil, and they'll feed on the emerging potato seedlings. Not a very good thing at all. What happens is the adults, they chew these small round holes in potato leaves, and then while the larvae feed on the roots and the tubers, you've got this whole just dramatic thing going on with the adults and the larvae. And, of course... Controlling flea beetle is a good thing to sanitize, meaning to take out any old foliage or tubers, get them out of the field, compost them, uh, get rid of them. If you need to get them off your property, that's one thing, but you should be able to just compost them and just keep the weeds clean over winter. And of course, insecticides uh, can come in handy, especially if you do start to see some of the adults. And lastly, some of the more, some other notable pests as far as insects go of potatoes are leafhoppers, aphids, tuber worms, oh, armyworms. If you have lawns somewhere, uh, you may also have armyworms around. So be sure to be on the lookout, especially in this uh, early part of spring as your potatoes are growing for any of these insects and let's get a handle on them. Now, there are a lot of issues in the disease world for potatoes, but two of the major issues are early blight and late blight. Now, early blight 
It appears on the leaflets as these big, large, gray-brown spots. They usually have these concentric, light, uh, darker markings uh, resembling a target. So you've got these kind of circles on these gray spots, and they look like they just whittle their way in like a target. Now, as these spots enlarge, they also um, uh, start to grow and spread and eventually just destroy the entire leaf. Now, the lower leaves are infected first. That's key to remember. And eventually, those lower leaves turn yellow and dry up as the disease moves upwards into the plant. Uh, The disease can also affect the tubers. It causes these brownish-purple lesions. It makes them unedible, unusable. Now, the fungus itself that causes early blight, it overwinters in the tubers and in plant debris and in the soil. So controlling this disease uh, involves using a two-year rotation and also using fungicides. If you see it on the plant, uh, remove anything that's infected, uh, use a fungicide to slow the spread, and then don't plant potatoes there the following year. And to be safe, maybe not even the third year, (laughs) you do want to get them on a rotation. And the last disease I want to talk about is late blight. Now, of course, late blight is that uh, that disease that caused the Irish to move over here to the United States. Generally, or historically, the late blight, it is a fungus. It has been probably the most serious uh, foliage disease of potatoes. Now, it looks like water-soaked circular and kind of irregular brown spots on the leaves. The spots are going to enlarge, they'll kill the leaflet, and eventually the entire leaf and the stem, and then the entire plant. It's very deadly, which is why the iris does not like late blight. Now the spores may spread to the tubers, and that causes these reddish-black discolorations that are going to penetrate into the flesh of the tuber. That is not a good situation. So you've got to be sure that you're on the lookout for that particular disease uh, kind of following suit. You wouldn't want to um, plant potatoes there probably for an extended period of time. Uh, you want to Try and get rid of those uh, problems completely from your property. You do not want to use compost of any of, uh, put this put this disease material into any of your compost. And every time you bring in potatoes, be sure that the potatoes have been certified to be clean. And also, you do need to use fungicides uh, when the conditions are favorable for blight, especially if you have a history of blight. So later, later in the crop season, uh, be sure to use fungicides like copper or sulfates. Use those proactively, um, and then you will have less and less of an issue. One of the reasons why late blight was so disastrous in Ireland is because it was essentially the only thing they were planting, and they were planting it year after year. So you have this kind of genetically the same plant. We call it a monoculture, which means one type of plant being grown over and over, and then on top of year after year growing, never rotating the field, uh, never sanitizing, just turning those crops over into the old, uh, the old crop into the soil. You're just creating a cesspool of disease, and that is never a good situation. But don't let me scare you. Be sure that if you want to grow potatoes, you can, and you can do that now. You can do that this weekend, and I hope that as you grow them, you're just ready for that day when you turn over the soil, and boom, there's a beautiful potatoey surprise waiting for you. For New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week.
Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.